Welcome to SpotCast, your single point of contact podcast brought to you by HDI on the web at thinkhdi.com. HDI, smarter service, better business. I'm your host for SpotCast, Roy Atkinson. Episode 23 of SpotCast is an interview with Charles Araujo, industry analyst, keynote speaker, and best-selling author of The Quantum Age of IT. Charlie is the founder of the Institute for Digital Transformation and believes that what's coming next represents as fundamental a change in how the world works as did the rise of the industrial age hundreds of years ago. His email journal, Your Digital Future, is available at charlesarajo.com. Charlie, thanks for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's great to have you aboard. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, Roy. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks. Everybody's talking about digital transformation. It's everywhere. Everywhere I look, every article I read, everybody's talking about digital transformation. But it seems to me that most people don't have a clear idea of what it is. Can you define what you mean when you talk about digital transformation? Yeah, you know, it's a great um, a great question to start with because it's something that uh, you know, I've been talking about digital transformation long before it was cool. My, my journey with the uh, digital transformation actually started almost six years ago, five and a half years ago now. I was on a speaking tour through New Zealand for the folks here. I know this is a, there's a lot of service management type folks here. It was uh, one of the events I was, I was speaking at about five different events in 10 days. And one of them was the ITSMF event in New Zealand. But one of the other events I was speaking at was something called the Digital Disruption Conference. And it was this unique thing for me anyway, because it was the first time I was talking to a non-IT audience. It was an event hosted by the Auckland University of Technology and the U.S. Embassy. And it was sort of their answer to TED Talks. It was, it was about how to build, you know, do business development for the business community of, of Auckland and New Zealand. And so it was sort of Auckland's business elite. It was academics and CEOs and tech startups. And so it, at the time, I'd written my first book called The Quantum Age of IT, Why Everything You Know About IT Is About to Change. And my focus was really all about IT transformation. And I realized that really wasn't a great topic for this audience. And so it caused me to step back and ask how these forces that I'd been researching and writing about and talking about how they were actually affecting this broader world outside of IT. And so that's what led me to focus on digital transformation. But you're right, is that people have now used this term because back then nobody was really talking about it. And they've now used this term to mean everything and anything. And frankly, sadly, maybe mostly to sell software, mostly to sell technology. And from my standpoint, digital transformation is sort of a bad term. It's because it, it's not really about the digital per se. It's really about um, business and organizational transformation. But even more than that, it's about the shift in power away from the organization and to the customer, where the customer now becomes the center of everything that generates value for an organization versus the industrial age, where it was really about this product and a supply chain and mass producing a mass product for a mass market. And so that to me is the essence of what digital transformation is. It's really about recentering everything an organization is doing around the customer and around delivering a differentiated customer experience. And Charlie, I think you know me well enough to know that that's where my brain has been for a long time. So uh, right. I'm glad to hear that that's happening. I take that as a very good thing, looking at the customer-centric organizations. You mentioned the rules of the industrial age uh, there, and, and you wrote the tried and true rules of the industrial age, the rules that have guided virtually everything about how the world worked have been thrown into a state of flux. Can you elaborate on what those rules were and what is throwing them into flux and why? 
So I give an entire keynote on this topic. So you may have to interrupt me if I'm going too long. But, uh, the, you know, I think what's interesting is as I went through this process, after I gave that first talk, it, it launched me on this sort of journey of exploration where I was really trying to understand what was going on, what it really meant. And, and as I kept peeling that onion, what I came to really understand is that the industrial age was this massive movement that really shaped almost everything we know about how society works. And, and what I mean by that is if you think about even our educational system, our educational, our modern educational system largely came out of the industrial age and largely came out of the need of industrial age, um, you know, barons or whatever you want to call it. They needed workers that knew how to follow rules that were, you know, show up reliably and do what they were told, right? That we didn't have robots back then. And so they had to create human workers. And so that was this huge motion around that. Likewise, you look at our entire, everything we consider modern management theory is largely based on these industrial age concepts of how you built this hierarchical model so you could control these massive organizations producing these massive number of products for these massive number of customers. And so it really informed everything. And that, of course, then led to, you know, some, some well-worn axioms like, you know, go to school, get an education, get a good job, you work there 40 years, you retire, right? That was all based on this sort of industrial age thing. And I, I mean, I remember even when, when I first started doing what I did, my parents were totally perplexed. They couldn't understand that I wasn't going to go, quote unquote, get a job. And so this whole idea of almost everything that we as a society of how we function, how we organize, how we operate, it's really rooted in these fundamental principles that guided how everything worked. And the industrial age organization, I would say was, you know, well, I'd still, I'd say it's still dominant, but it was, it was omnipresent really until the early 2000s when we started to see this shift. So I, I put the marker somewhere around 2000, 2005, somewhere in that range, we started to see this massive shift when we started talking about digital disruption. And that was the, the, the signal of when all of this started to change. And so the, the challenge is that I think that where that's leading to is this period in time in which all these rules are in fact changing. The things that we thought were true, that were always going to be true, um, from everything from you know getting an education to how we structure and manage organizations is sort of all up for grabs. And I'm not saying it's all going to get destroyed and certainly not going to get you know transformed overnight. But this is what's changing because the nature of how we are going to create value and what generates, therefore, market value from a, from a stock market perspective. And therefore, that's going to drive decisions how, on how organizations are structured, managed and led. And so I think that's where all of this is changing and it, and it becomes you know, bigger than a bread box where it's hard to get your head around what all of that actually means as we start going down this road. Interesting. And so uh, I, what I'm thinking as you say all that, that transformation is what's happening and digital is part of the way it's happening. Yeah. So, so this is where the digital part is, is correct and it's not, right? So the, the, it's not in that it's not the goal, it's not the objective. And I think that's where a lot of people miss what digital transformation is about. But what it is, is it's the enabler. And everything we just talked about, all of this transformation, the transformation that's been happening organizationally, societally, whatever, over the last 10 or 15 years would not have happened without technology. So technology is the enabling factor underpinning all of this. It's just not the goal or objective. So from that, Charlie, I'm going to draw a parallel to IT service management uh, as a case in point, since that's a, a lot of the focus of this particular podcast. And what a lot of people in service management have been saying for a long time is that 
the technology is not the horse, it's the cart. And uh, we should look at the processes, practices, and business goals before we start thinking about the specific technologies we're going to employ. Is that a fair comparison to what we were just saying? Yeah, absolutely. As, as you know, but maybe not everyone else does, as I've been an ITSM guy for a long time, it's really my kind of history, my foundation. And, and it's always been sort of one of my great frustrations is that people would, you know, read the books or, you know, and they get all into this and, and sort of lose sight of that, that they would, they would it'd all be about either the process or the technology and lose sight of the fact that in the end, the only reason we did any of this stuff is to help our organization function better, operate more smoothly. Now, I will say that there is a transition, right? I think even, you know, service management and idle and, and even the way IT organizations themselves are structured and operate, there there is a transition. So one of the major drivers of the industrial age is that the way we created value was by what I call optimizing the core. So you were producing a mass product for a mass market. You had to do that as efficiently as possible. And then the more efficiently you did it, the, the more value would create, meaning every ounce of efficiency I could wring out of that system, that supply chain, those operating models, would literally drop right to the bottom line as profit. And so if you look at most of our technology systems and a lot of our practices, including things like Lean and ITIL or ITSM, what you find is they were focused on driving that level of efficiency, right? If we become more efficient, then we generated more value. And that was a large part of the value proposition that all of these practices, all of these frameworks brought to the table. So there's still value in that, right? I'm, I'm not suggesting that suddenly organizations don't need to be efficient or be optimized. They absolutely do. But I believe that's now the price of admission. And so the real question around service management or any of these frameworks is how do you take them to the next level? How do they become tools that drive changes and transformation of the experience of the things that are generating value in this digital era? And that's much more than just becoming more efficient. And so, you know, so now suddenly when we're talking at the, the right order of the cart and the horse, not only is it that we have to see it as the as the cart and we have to be focused on the horse, which is the business value, but we need to make sure we're focused on the right horse, right? That the horse that matters in this game for organizational differentiation and creating competitive value in this market is the horse that's going to allow us to create a differentiated customer experience that makes customers want to buy from us when they are now in control of this entire game. And so that's the, and you know, we're all customers too, right? So we know this, we, we are, we can change so easily. We want all the information. And so the, the simple question, if I'm putting my ITSM hat on is, is, is what I'm doing is the thing I'm working on going to help me as a customer make this buying decision or enjoy this experience better where I'm more inclined to continue operating or engaging with us as an organization. And if it's not, then you have to question where you're putting your energy. So I think that's the, the big shift, but, but it's absolutely the, the same connection. And as you say that, I see myself as a customer standing in front of a display in a retail store with my phone in my hand right. comparing exactly. prices, right? right. We, we all do that, and I think it's the same across the board. It's not only that instance, but that's how we do things now, comparing uh, features and benefits and prices for everything that we do, and that puts the, a lot of power in the hands of the consumer. And that's, as you were saying, the customer is going to drive stuff. It does, so, and and and, and I, I know you probably want to move on, but when when you're when you're thinking about that that idea, right? So this is something that uh, when I used to do do a lot of work in change management, I would do a little sucker punch question where I'd ask people, "What's the objective of change management?" And they would, you know, often say, you know, to control change or you know whatever. And I would say no. The objective of change management is to allow the organization to make 
as much change as possible, as quickly as possible without incurring risk, right? Our objective was to enable adaptability and enable change. And so it's the same thing with process. When we're talking about how do we optimize processes today, we have to shift our perspective. Being more efficient is not always what is better for business because if being more efficient, and we all live this every day where we call a call center and it's quote unquote efficient, but it creates a horrible customer experience where we don't want to call or we don't want to engage with that company, then that process, while perhaps efficient, is bad for business because it's not encouraging the proper experience or the experience that's going to separate our organization in the marketplace. And so that's the the lens that I think we need to be bringing to all of these practices, no matter what they are. Well said. From my own personal perspective, I think a lot of companies would rather that we I, we did not contact them in any way, shape, or form, but that's another <laughs> conversation entirely, <laughs> exactly. right? So despite all the chatter and hype about artificial intelligence and automation, and it's something that I talk about all the time and the skills le- skill levels that have to change and, and types of skills that people need to be focused on, you've said that humanness will become the primary driver of personal and business value. Why do you think that's so, and, and what are some of the elements of that humanness that we should be striving for as the world around us changes? So, so everything we've been talking about right now is this idea of the customer experience being the driver of value. And, and so I talk about two major trends that are going to dictate our future. And the first is that, what I call the primacy of the experience or the primacy of the customer experience. The second is the, the primacy of the algorithm, meaning that we are reaching this point where artificial intelligence and automation and I actually have a, a new piece for my new newsletter. Um, my, I'm calling it the, Your Digital Future. It's this email journal. And the first uh, one that's going out after the kind of launch process we're going through is talking about this exact subject. We have a long way to go with artificial intelligence. There's a lot of confusion and hype around it. But what I do believe is that this is coming. And we are reaching a point where very rapidly all of this, the the quote-unquote human robot jobs that had to be done, we're now, you know, the robots are coming back for those jobs. We're now reaching a point where the automation, the technology is going to be capable of doing most of those sorts of routine things. Uh, You know, my kind of catchphrase here is anything that we can reduce to an algorithm, we will automate in the very near future. And I believe that's what's going to happen. And so while technology will remain a competitive differentiator in the marketplace for quite some time, What we're going to find is that to a certain extent, it becomes completely normalized. We have all these big giant companies developing all this really cool technology. And if you're an organization, you can go buy that technology. And so it's going to become increasingly more and more difficult to create competitive differentiation in the market based on that technology. And so what we're going to actually find is it's going to be the human elements. And those are often going to be technology enabled or digitally enhanced but these human elements that are going to be the difference. And it's it's sort of the difference of, you know, we can go to a, there's a couple of these in prototypes, right? You know, McDonald's that have virtually no humans in them. That's all automated. And that's a certain experience. And for a certain desire of what you're needing, that's great. But it's never going to compare to going to a fine dining restaurant where there is art on that plate and the servers are serving And so I think what we're going to see over time is that the technology becomes more ubiquitous, more powerful, that it's going to be coming normalized, where it's in fact going to be these very human elements of of really creativity, imagination, and empathy are the three things that for the foreseeable future, we're not going to be able to automate. 
And those are the things that are going to create value both organizationally as well as personally. And organizationally, we've already seen it. You know, companies like Apple and, and many others have built an entire you know market value and, and business models around effectively being more creative and more imaginative than their competitors um, in some ways. And sometimes it's about execution. But but I also think that that we're going to see this individually, that it's going to be our ability if, if we're going to automate huge chunks of our jobs because we can then it's our ability to be creative, to be imaginative, to be empathetic that is going to differentiate us from anybody else. And and so that's really what this is all about from my perspective. Over the past few years, a lot of people in the customer service industry have been talking about customer service being the number one differentiator and talking about how that happens. And it's of course, it's not just technology. It really is the human factor that makes the difference in a lot of cases. So I hear exactly what you're saying. I'm sure that in your work with various businesses, you've seen false starts and pitfalls when they're approaching what is generally called digital transformation. And other than the cart and horse problem, or maybe that's the main one, can you describe some of those pitfalls and difficulties and how do you avoid them? Oh, there are so many. I could go on for hours on this topic. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think, I think, you know, absolutely. The first, probably the, the first, the greatest is that, is that people are putting the cart before the horse. They're too focused on the technology. I think just in general, that is probably the biggest challenge around uh, quote unquote digital transformation initiatives. I, I won't name the company. I remember I was at an event speaking for a bunch of executives and this guy walked up and said, oh, digital transformation. Yeah, yeah. He says, I'm right in the middle of that. I own the website. And it's like, what does what does what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> it's a, it having a cool website is not digital transformation. It's not about the technology, and it's certainly not about this idea of you know the, the other issue there is that people think the customer experience is synonymous with the buying experience, and also not true, right? And so I think that one, it's this focus on the technology. The other issue there is it's this highly myopic focus on these little narrow bands, right? We're going to go in and refresh and, you know, our, our ERP or Salesforce or, our, you know, a sales automation or whatever. And that's digital transformation. It's like, no, you're, you're doing some great stuff perhaps, but digital transformation in my mind only happens when a, we're focusing on the customer. And then as we focus on that experience, it leads us to naturally recognize that we are going to have to transform our business models. And that once we do that, we recognize that we're going to have to transform our operating models to support those business models. And that once we recognize that, then we soon realize that we're going to have to transform our management and our work models to support these new operating models. If you're not seeing that sort of holistic, across-the-board transformation, then in my mind, this isn't going to be a, a real digital transformation. So I think you know those are probably the two biggest. But the other one that sits, it's sort of foundational, is that because people send, tend to equate digital transformation with technology transformation, they miss the human element. Surprise, surprise. And the fact that most of the transformation that occurs within organizations is, in fact, not about either the structure or the technology, but it's about the culture and it's about the human element of this. And so people go into these and don't put anywhere near enough effort into addressing the cultural transformation that has to happen, right? If, if, if you're doing what I just described, where we're recentering our organization around delivering a differentiated customer experience, and then we're transforming our business model and our operating model and our work model, and even if we're doing this on some small dimension of the, not, not the entire organization, 
If you try to do that without starting with transforming your culture and changing the way people look at the business they're in and the role they have and how they support this, then all the rest of it's going to fail. And so I, I think that that's really where where people kind of miss. So I think it's a, it's a failure of imagination of seeing the bigger picture. It's being too focused on the technology rather than the business needs and the customer experience, and then failing to recognize that the, the core of the transformation is in fact going to be a, a cultural transformation and, and focusing on the people. That's all really interesting. And I, and I was thinking that maybe from some of the things you said that what we should be focusing on is what we can do that are in line with our organization's goals, right? Set the goals, figure out what we can do, and then look for the enablers to allow us to do it. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think where this is really hard, I mean, I, I have the, as an analyst and author and speaker, I have the, um, I guess, privilege and an opportunity to kind of operate at 50,000 feet. And, and, and I've often had people tell me, says, okay, this is great, but you know, I'm a, I'm a service desk manager or I'm a, you know, a, a network manager or whatever, right? H- how am I supposed to do any of this? And I think you're right. The answer is figure out, well, where, where is your sphere of influence, your sphere of control and what can you do? And how can you start reorganizing? And, and in some cases, you, your organization may not be there yet. So then if I'm in those shoes, then, then it's about, well, how can I prepare my team to be ready for this? How can I start preparing my organization to be adaptable? And I, and I think the key is here from a pure technology perspective, it's architectural flexibility. How do, how do I start re-architecting my systems so that I can rapidly change them as all of this transformation starts occurring? How do I start working with my teams to get them to see the bigger picture, to understand the value the organization creates and our role, role in supporting that value and, and, and linking the value that, of their performance, of their roles to that value of the organization rather than having them locked in to a given technology, right? If I see myself as a database administrator and then suddenly we change the way we approach databases, you're threatening my identity. And so the very first thing that has to happen is start starting to prepare people to shift their identities of what's, how do they create value and what generates their professional value in the organization. And, and it's not tied to any one specific technology, at least if they're doing this right. So I think there's, there's all that kind of stuff that, that people need to start going down that road to prepare for. And just to, just to kind of wrap this up in a neat way, because people like to have a thing they can take away from a conversation like this. What is one thing that business leaders should be doing now to prepare their organizations and their people for a digital future? So I think there's a couple of things. It, so and, and partially depends on where you're at, right? If you're high up in an organization, then you need to be looking at this big view and starting to ask yourself, how are you going to begin to shift this culture and part of that is even recognizing, you know, where your customer's going and how do you get, how do you skate to where the puck is going uh, as opposed to waiting to be disrupted. So I think at the macro level, that's it. At a more pragmatic level, I think, because in the end, what I do believe is all this is going to happen and we're going to have these specific forces sort of working on us. Um, going back to what I was saying, I think it's about, A, helping people understand how to reset that identity, to not tie it to either a specific technology or even a specific role. Um, I, I remember, you know, having come up through the ranks, people would see themselves as, you know, well, I am fill in the blank role. That's what, and it's like, no, that's not, that's what you're doing right now, but that's not who you are. 
you can do so many other things. You can do, you can add value in so many different ways. So resetting that sense of identity of what they anchor themselves to professionally. And then as, as part of that, it's also, so I actually have an article that will be in this newsletter that talks about this idea as, as, as a leader, how do you start preparing your team? And one of those is this idea of being a visionary. When, when I started speaking, I, people called me a futurist and I used to laugh at it. And then I got really scared because it's like, what do you mean a futurist? I don't know what the future is. It's like, I don't know. But I realized that in the end that being a futurist isn't really about knowing what the future is. It's about being in a constant state of exploration about the future. And when you do that, a couple of things happen. First, you stop being afraid of it because you're exploring all these different options. You start seeing all these different pathways that connect from where you are to where those futures might lead. But secondly, it, it starts really creating this sense of control where you can now start shaping this future because you're constantly exploring it. So, and, and I, so I call that being a visionary, being just not, you know, pie in the sky, head in the clouds, but looking forward constantly to see where things are going and how might it affect what I'm doing and how might it give me opportunities to grow and change and transform myself. And then, you know, the other element of this is this idea of being an owner of, of taking responsibility for your own destiny. The, the number of times I've had IT professionals in particular come up to me and say, Charlie, I don't, I don't know what to do. I feel like I have no control over this. And I look at them, I say, you have complete control over this. You may need, maybe you don't have control over whether or not your company, you know, fires you or changes your job or something, but you, you do have control over the skills you were bringing to the table, the attitude and approach that you were bringing to the table, and and your desire to drive change within an organization, and so you know to that end, something that we're working on, in fact, um, where my wife and I have launched a new organization called the Maps Institute, and it's really focused on and helping people build these skills, right? And so the the kind of framework that comes from my work is is what we call ACE, so it's awareness, curiosity, and engagement, and and these are sort of these underpinning human characteristics that I believe we can develop. And and so as a leader, one of the things I'm, of course, wanting to do or would, would want to do is, is help my employees engender these, right? Get, get their head around what this means and to how to embrace these because these become, I believe, the underlying skills that will fuel and give you that kind of buffer to roll with the punches or to, uh, how does my wife say it, but to bob with the tide, I guess, right, as all of this is happening. And so, uh, you know, th those are things I'd be focused on because there are things that are going to be foundational and will allow you as an individual to adapt as all of this craziness continues to change around us. Thank you so much for talking about these topics, Charlie. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. And I know that we're going to be talking about a lot of these topics in the future. So thanks for your time. Charlie, thank you so much. And it's good to talk to you. It's been a while. It has been a while, and hopefully yeah. I'll at an event. I mean, my schedule's been absolutely nuts. But and, and you know, anytime you're in New York, definitely let me know. We'd love to kind of catch up again. I will do that. All right. Thanks, All right, Charlie. Rick. Have a Thanks. great one. Thank you for listening. You can find more information about Charlie and subscribe to Your Digital Future at charlesarajo.com. And please visit HDI on the web at thinkhdi.com. I'm your host for Spotcast, Roy Atkinson. Until next time, take care. <laughs>